0: Hi, how's it going, everybody, and welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Kathleen Booth, the Senior Vice President of Marketing for Pavilion, a community-powered learning platform for CEOs, GTM leaders, and e-commerce entrepreneurs. Kathleen joined Pavilion as a member in 2019 and later went on to become a founding co-chair of the Washington, D.C. chapter and a Pavilion ambassador. On today's episode, we discuss the importance of community and marketing, Pavilion immersive learning framework, the intangible philosophies behind strong marketing, and much more. Here's our interview now.
1: Kathleen, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Alex. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're
1: very happy to have you. So first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about the company you work for, Pavilion?
2: Sure. Pavilion is the world's largest community of go-to-market leaders in high-growth B2B technology companies. We are essentially a private community that also incorporates education and events and insights. We do a lot of research, but our whole goal is to help go-to-market leaders achieve and unlock their full professional potential.
1: That sounds awesome. Full professional potential, because, you know, I hear a lot of, Go-to-market strategies and stuff like that. So frankly, I guess my question there is the importance of community. Is that something that you feel the e-commerce industry is is lacking due to the unavailability of education on, you know, those proper subjects? Or is it something that just hasn't been fully utilized yet?
2: I mean, I think there's some interesting things happening within the world of e-commerce with community, like especially I've watched with a lot of interest over the last couple of years as particularly a number of direct to consumer brands have done a really effective job at creating their own communities, but I think there's a lot more work to be done. And I think this whole topic of community is somewhat ill-defined, you know, like I'm a marketer, marketers and go-to-market leaders in general talk about community all the time. And we give a lot of lip service to like, oh, you know, either we need a community or what's our community strategy. And the challenge is that there are different types of community strategies. You can create a community of your own. You can sponsor somebody else's community. You can simply participate in someone else's community. Those are three different strategies. And within create a community, there are three different approaches. There are communities of product, there are communities of practice, and there are communities of interest. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways you can go when it comes to this, this topic of community. And I don't know that that's really been explored really well. And I don't know that people have really given a lot of thought to like why one particular approach would make sense over another. And once you have your approach, how to do it right. You know, like the thing that's so interesting about Pavilion, and I should clarify, I started as a member before I was ever a member of the team. I was a member for three years and it was such an impactful thing for me personally that I decided to come on full-time. We've grown tremendously in the last three to four years. And I think we've hit on a little bit of lightning in the bottle and I can't take any credit for it because I came in late in the game, but it's enabled me to really understand both as a customer of the organization and as an employee, what it means to do community right. So I do have a lot of opinions on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we can, maybe I put the cart before the horse there a little bit. So I guess on a more base level, just take a step back. What, what should the role or the job of community be in marketing?
2: Yeah. So again, when we think about go-to-market strategy, right, community comes comes up a lot. And I guess we should break this down along somewhat along the lines of what I mentioned before. So the first is when you think about community for your brand, you should be thinking about either one of the following three things. Either creating your own community or leveraging the tailwinds of a community that are, already exists and there are two different ways to do that. One is to have your brand formally sponsor it. And to affiliate your brand with that existing community. And three is to just have your employees participate actively in communities as a, as a deliberate part of your business strategy, not as an afterthought, not as something they do for themselves, but like for the business. So those are the three different ways that community can be a part of go-to-market strategies. And I think the thing that e-commerce companies or brands need to think about is which one is right for me or what combination of these is right for me? Because it doesn't have to just be one. Like For example, talking about creating your own community, it can be an incredibly powerful play as part of a go-to-market strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of companies out there that have done really great jobs of this and and it's become very impactful for them, but it's very resource intensive. And if you're small, if you don't have a big team, it could become a drain. And so you you have to think through like, what am I willing to put into this? Knowing also that creating your own community is a long-term play. You are probably not going to see, you know, sales coming from community creation anytime in the near future, but you know, a year from now, two years from now, it could tremendously pay off. And so it's an investment you have to be willing to make and you have to have the patience to wait for the ROI.
1: If you don't mind, I imagine that if you create a community over time, you have to calibrate that community and maintain it too. So that's kind of an added absolutely thing as and, well, right? Yeah,
2: and you need to think about what type of community you're creating. So earlier I mentioned there are three types of community, communities of product, communities of practice, communities mm-hmm. of interest. So communities of product would be like literally users or customers of your product. And so the community is around, How am I going to use this? So you see this a lot, for example, in like meal delivery services where people get the meals or even like produce delivery boxes. Like I am a customer of Hungry Harvest and I get my box of produce every Saturday. I am a member of their community of product, which is Hungry Harvest customers. And we talk about what are we going to do with our box of vegetables this week? Like what recipe are we going to make, right? Versus a community of practice. For example, maybe you're selling fitness equipment and maybe your community isn't about your equipment, but it's about the practice of being a trainer. And so, sure. you know, that is a community of practice and you have people who, in the course of their job are probably going to use your equipment, but you're not expressly talking about your product. And so that's a little bit of a slightly longer play. Like a community of product is gets you the fastest results, right? Because it's your customers, they're in there, they're talking about the product. It's going to incentivize them to buy more. Mm-hmm. Community of practice is a little bit more of a medium-term play because these are your customers and they're talking about how to use things like your product, but not expressly about your product. And then you have communities of interest, which is like, in that example, it would be like fitness, right? I'm interested in fitness or healthy lifestyles. And that is a even longer return. But with each of these, the audience gets bigger, right? The community of product is a certain size. The community of practice is that size plus X. And the community of interest is that size plus X plus X. So there are trade-offs involved in all of this. And I think just understanding these options is an important place to
1: start. No, totally. And I think that's a good segue into Pavilion. So, you know, for example, there is a community of people who use, say, Pavilion, which is also a subset of people who are trying to learn more about being professionals in the e-commerce industry versus, you know, of interest people who are in the e-commerce industry.
2: Yeah, I would say Pavilion is a community of practice because people come to us because they're either the head of marketing, the head of sales, the head of customer success, or the head of ops, or they're the founder. And that's Mm -hmm. the go-to-market leadership team. And so we are there to enable and empower go-to-market leadership team members to be successful. So we are a community of practice. And you guys do that
1: through something called immersive learning framework, right? Can you explain to us what that might be?
2: Yeah, the three pillars of our thesis of how you succeed in your career are education, community, and then what I would call connection, which in many cases comes from in-person events. And in this case, we're talking about education, but we thread community through everything we do. And so we do have... Pavilion University, which is schools and courses. And so our schools are longer. They could be like 10 week long programs. For example, we have Chief Marketing Officer School, where somebody enrolls and it's a very immersive program, meaning you are studying substantive material. You're spending an hour a week in class. You have an hour a week outside of class in a smaller study group. And sometimes there's practical work in between classes. And that's one form of learning. And then there's also our shorter courses. But with all of it, we have number one, all of them are taught by actual practice practitioners. So there's a famous old saying that those who, who can do can't- teach. Exactly. <laughs> we are where those who do teach. So every all of our instructors are practicing leaders doing the job today. Cool. And that's so important because like you know this, everything changes so fast. And if you're talking mm-hmm. about go-to-market strategies, it's constantly changing. Like we're living right now in a in a time of tremendous economic change and uncertainty. If you just hired like a professor to teach a class, they're not living and practicing go-to-market leadership in this environment. And so we pride ourselves by having people who are in the job now, teaching the classes. That's number one. Number two, it's we have this community behind it. And so you know, when you finish class, you go into your discussion boards or you go into your, I'm a marketing leader, so I'm in what's called our chief marketing officer channel. And I can talk to hundreds, if not thousands of other chief marketing officers and say, hey, I just learned about X. What do you think? Or does anybody have an example of of this? And I get answers right away. And we store all that information in a knowledge hub. So I can always draw on that for historical information. And so it's this like, it's learning, taught by practicing leaders, backed up by the power of community and peer networks. That's what makes it immersive and really powerful.
1: And it feels that way too. It feels authentic when you have people who are actually in the industry currently teaching that sort of stuff. Am I correct in assuming that this isn't a full-time job being a member or a student in these classes. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that people can work full-time jobs while being able to attend these classes at the same time. That oh, accurate? yeah,
2: absolutely. In fact, most of our community is at the executive level. VPs sure. are above. And so they have very demanding full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, and extremely demanding. And so you know, it's there and it flexes to meet your needs. And that's why I think having community as the basis is so important because you can drop in community is what you make of it. You know, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, this is something that's been really interesting for me to learn in my time at Pavilion is I've seen people come in to the community with very differing expectations. Some are ready to roll their sleeves up and participate and give and share and ask questions. And those tend to be the people that get the most value out of it. And then there are others who come in thinking like, I'm going to be served up this, this set of offerings and derive value. And, and you can derive value without participating a lot, but it's not going to be nearly the same as if, you know, that's what makes community work is there's a sense of reciprocity. There's a give and a take. And without that, it's not really a community.
1: And I really like that idea of the give and take. I, I always appreciated, you know, when I was in school, Something that was definitely a give and take approach where it felt like I was engaging with the teacher, not being not just being told the information by the teacher and something that is community driven like Pavilion in these classes. I can imagine there's a lot of attention to different ideas people are bringing to the table and you being able to kind of like curate them, aggregate them and cipher out kind of fits with what you know at the same time and and being able to, I don't know, kind of funnel that through the, those different channels. So I, I think it's a really cool idea. How different are the curriculums depending on a member's occupation or role? Like is the educational material vastly different for a, a CEO versus an analyst or or say a a sales team versus a marketing team?
2: Yeah, I mean, we have, so there's functional differences, meaning like for each of our key functional areas, we have a school. So there's chief marketing officer school, chief revenue officer school, chief customer officer school, CEO school. And then we have these courses, which, and by the way, anyone can take any of these. Like you can be a CRO and take, CMO school. And I actually tell people they should, because it it helps you develop a tremendous amount of empathy for your peers. But we also have a lot of electives and they span, you know, everything from teaching SDRs and frontline sales managers, how to do their job to product marketing fundamentals courses to I've took a class on executive compensation and negotiation, which teaches executives like how to negotiate their salary package and how Mm -hmm. to how equity should be structured, like stuff that you don't get taught in school you know, and so it's not always about the function of your job. We also have classes on leadership and listening and telling stories through data. It's the full breadth of skills that a leader really needs to be successful, which isn't always about like the tactical skills you need to do your job. It's about the soft things like managing people and reporting to a board and Building relationships.
1: Yeah. So I, I'd like to dive into that part a little bit. So we've talked about kind of the the broader emphasis on community. And I think one way that you guys articulated is unlocking professional potential. So on a more specific level, what are specific skills that a member can expect to learn? I, I liked. I really like the idea of a class on negotiating, essentially. So, what are some more of those specific skills that say someone listening to this who wants to sign up could expect to learn?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's such a we have so many different classes, and it's really amazing because our Pavilion University team has put together a pretty robust curriculum. And it's interesting, like it, it depends on what your what your needs are. And so, I can give you an example of what I've taken. Probably the easiest way to do it. So, I like I said, I took executive compensation and negotiation. I took building high performing teams. I've also taken the Excel boot camp because I wanted to be better at using Microsoft Excel. There you go. Um, and revenue architecture growth school, which is like a theoretical class about different revenue growth models, which is fascinating. I've taken CRO school to learn what a head of sc- uh, sales deals with so that I could work better with my sales counterpart. Took forecasting and budgeting you know, there's a lot and there's a lot that's still left on my list that I want to take. So it's really about understanding where your deficiencies are or where there are opportunities Mm -hmm. for growth. And I think the thing that I've learned is that most leaders I know have tremendous imposter syndrome, right? Because think about it. It's a lonely job. Like Mm -hmm. if you're the head of marketing in a company, you're the only head of marketing there, unless it's like Procter and Gamble. And then you have your head of marketing for North America and your head of marketing for EMEA. But- most companies have one person in these jobs. And so you don't have a group of peers internally that you can go to for advice. So you have imposter syndrome because you don't know what you don't know. Like you just Mm. don't even know sometimes the questions you should be asking. And here's the truth. Most of us are pretty good at our jobs. We just don't realize it. And so This is one of the really great things about coming into a community is all of a sudden you do know what you don't know because you can sit in a discussion board and see the questions that other really smart leaders are asking. And you can say, oh, maybe I should be asking that question or I never thought of that or, oh, I know the answer to that and I'm really good at it. And all of a sudden you start to calibrate and get a sense for where you fit within this landscape of other leaders. I'm really good at these things where other people might not be. And here's the areas where I feel less confident. So I'm going to go take some classes on those. And it becomes this like pathway to alleviating imposter syndrome, which is just tremendously powerful.
1: No, that's great. And I I imagine that can kind of come from being in a group of peers at the same time. Do you you find that some people struggle with that and they're, and they're actually putting themselves out there to try to connect with people and network and, and be more community driven because that's something that they're weaker at or people lean into their strengths by doing something like this.
2: I mean, I think it's a combination of the two, you know, and it's important. I guess this goes to my other point about like how to do community right, you know, because it's, it's one thing to participate in a community and it's another to do it correctly. And community can be a tremendous... Revenue driver for companies. Like, I don't want to lose sight of that. It's we're, we are all about, you know, helping our members succeed, which is a very individual value proposition, but there are a lot of companies that have grown tremendously and made a lot of money because of their participation in pavilion. And the same could be said of other communities. It's not specific Mm -hmm. to us, but what I've seen is that some organizations know how to do this and others don't. And the ones who know how to do it well, realize that you have to participate in an authentic way. And so it's the same thing that works for individuals to get value out of it. That works for companies. If you come in with an attitude of like, Ooh, There's a bunch of people in here who could be customers of ours. I'm going to go sell them. I'm going to go pitch them. I'm going to hit them up on LinkedIn you are not going to get value. It's not going to happen. It's goes to that reciprocity thing. Like you have to come in you have to build real relationships. You have to establish trust. You have to be authentic, be a participant in conversations, be somebody who gives before they take. And if you do that, you will unlock unbelievable opportunity for yourself individually, mm-hmm. but also for your organization. If you so choose to leverage it for that.
1: I definitely believe that. So as part of your role, as the Senior VP of Marketing and Member Success in providing Pavilion members and go-to-market leaders with strategies to transition from startup to scale-up. But with Pavilion, it seems that your philosophy isn't based in tangible strategies. It's actually kind of more all-encompassing, like we've been talking about. They're more for ideas for specific, not necessarily ideas for specific business practices. It's more focused on unlocking professional potential that can be implemented on a wider and broader scale. So is that philosophy a way to separate yourself from other kind of growth agencies? Or have you found that that ideology to be a more useful way to help entrepreneurs with marketing and growth practices?
2: Yeah. So this is a very interesting question and something that we've talked about a lot. And how I think about this is that You see a lot of people out there, and this is actually very prevalent in the e-commerce world. You see a lot of people out there that sell what I would call blueprints or methodologies or courses, and they're selling a specific way of doing something like this is the way you should do email for e-commerce. Buy my course. I will tell you how to do it. And then you just go do it, right? That's a little different than what we're doing. I think this is especially applicable because we are catering to an executive audience. And so our assumption going in is that number one, everybody in our community is really, really bright. Like they wouldn't have gotten to where they are if they weren't. Number two, there is no such thing as a one size fits all blueprint. The world changes too quickly. Every company is different. Every situation is different. Every customer audience is different. And so what we want to do is give our members the building blocks so that they can take those building blocks and assemble them into the right blueprint for them. And that's the difference. Like, we're not going to tell you how to do your job. We're not going to tell you, you know, what your go-to-market strategy should be. We're going to tell you how to do forecasting. We're going to tell you how to think about product marketing. You're still going to have to build your product marketing strategy. You know what I mean? Like, so we're, it's a teach a man to fish model is really what it is, as opposed to giving the man the fish, which is what I think a lot of these other programs do is they give the man the fish. And that doesn't really create self-sustainability. It doesn't help you build a successful career. It helps you solve a problem that you have right now. Whereas when you teach a man to fish, in this case, give them the building blocks, you're setting them them up for success throughout their whole career because you're giving them those fundamental ingredients that they need to make great decisions and be a strong strategist and a strong teammate.
1: No, And, and I love the idea of that philosophy. And that's a great analogy for it have you ever dealt with people who came into pavilion or signed up and expected the fish instead of the fish and rod? And then you had to kind of navigate that with them.
2: I mean, I'm sure that exists, but it's not something I've seen a lot. And I think people understand that, you know, you're coming here to learn from your peers. And when it comes to learning from your peers, everybody's experience is different. Um, And so you have to be discerning in taking away the pieces of those lessons that apply most to you. But The thing about community that is really the secret sauce, if we want to get down to to the core of it, is there's a cheat code. And that is that I always say community is the new Google because the cheat code with community is you get a lot of answers, right? But you also get a lot of answers when you Google something. The difference with community is you know what to trust. The information has been vetted. You know where it's coming from. You understand that the person giving it to you is really good at their job. They're seasoned. They've accomplished a lot. And so you save tremendous amount of time by coming into a community and asking a question like, "Hey, you know, does anyone have a really good template for reporting on marketing performance to a board of directors?" That question comes up all the time, right? All the time. If I ask that in Google, i get lots of answers, but I wouldn't know really like, is this really good? Do do boards really like this information? Like who is writing this? Or is this just some vendor putting a template out that I can't trust? Whereas if I go into the community and I get templates from 10 CMOs who I know are leading really impressive companies and have to report to boards all the time, I'm going to be so excited because I'm going to know I can take this. I can build on it. It's good. It's been vetted. It's been used out in the wild and it's trustworthy.
1: And when you ask that question in Google... You then have to get six different answers and then review the truth of the website that you're getting it from and you have to vet the actual source and then decide not on the actual material, but on the person who's giving it to you. Exactly right. which which, which creates some kind of like cognitive dissonance a little bit where you could be seeing something or even confirmation bias where you see something and you're like, yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. So I'm just gonna deal or stick with that compared to, you know if I'm having a conversation with you, You're going to give me the truth because it's your truth that you lived in, you know, what worked and what didn't. I think that's a great analogy as well. As someone with a background in marketing like yourself, were you always community driven or was that something that you learned the value of over
2: time? It's a great question. I mean, I think I sort of fell into it. I've always been a big joiner. (laughs) Like, it's funny, my husband always laughs at me. Like, I, when you open up my Slack instance, I have more Slack communities I'm a part of than almost anybody else I know. I'm a member (laughs) of a ton of Discord communities. I am a member of you know lots of LinkedIn groups and other professional associations. I've just I think it's because I was an entrepreneur for eleven years. I owned my own digital marketing agency, and in that time, because we weren't huge, I had to be the head marketer, but also the head salesperson. I had to go network and do business development, and that turns you into a joiner. So I, I've always been a joiner, but I will say it was um, a few of the roles I've had. Where we've built community that really gave me a front row seat to the power of it and what it could mm. do to pipelines, to people's careers, um, you know, the impact it can have on members. It was just so powerful to watch. And so I am a believer. <laughs> I'm I'm drinking the community Kool-Aid.
1: <laughs> and you're dishing it out too, honestly. I mean, I'm learning a lot throughout this conversation. And I imagine some of our audiences, yeah. And you're involved in so many communities. We were talking prior to the show that. You previously hosted your own podcast called Inbound Success, which I'm sure people can definitely still find and listen to. Can you tell us a bit about that and what what your goal was for that project and how you may have achieved it?
2: Yeah. So I hosted the Inbound Success podcast for five years and I started it when I still owned my agency. And I originally, I think when I started it, I was thinking, oh, I'll talk to people who are getting great results from inbound marketing and the listeners for this will naturally be great customers for my inbound marketing agency, and I'll get lots of leads, right? That was the thought. That was a dumb thought. <laughs> um, it just was. It was. That's, it, that's not what it turned into, thank goodness. It turned into an incredible opportunity for me to meet a lot of really amazing marketers and learn from them mm-hmm. and for my audience to learn alongside me. You know, really, it was more about building a virtual community in some senses of the, the guests that I interviewed as well as the listeners that I had. And that community still exists for me today, even though I'm not podcasting anymore. I mean, it, it's been amazing the network personally that I've been able to build through that and and the knowledge that I've, I've been able to gain.
1: And I feel like when it's part of the underlying thing we've been talking about this whole time, which is authenticity. We talk about this on the show frequently. And what I hear you say, Kathleen, is that if the goal was to develop leads initially, and it wasn't really working, then that's because there was like a a hint of authenticity that may have been missing there is kind of what I'm hearing you say a little bit and that you eventually learned how to develop what the goal was with your goal being more all-encompassing and larger and community-driven. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just not a transactional thing, right? Like sure. I also sold my agency not long after I started the podcast, so that was part of it. But I think anybody who goes into podcasting thinking it's gonna be like an instantly generator, I mean, it does happen, but I just don't think that that's like I don't think that's the right goal for a podcast. It's it's a longer term play, just like I described community as being. It's about relationship building. I think it's the best form of account-based marketing. You can meet amazing people who should be your customers, but who aren't already. And they might not be buying right now, right? Mm -hmm. This is why I say it's not a lead generator. Like I've done this at some of the companies I've been at where I've started podcasts. And the guests have all been people who were on our target customer list but they weren't in a buying cycle. So like to expect to get a lead out of it is disingenuous. Like someday they might buy from us. Great. But in the meantime, you know what happened more than anything else? They would tell other people about us and we would start to, like, we started to get some buzz within different communities and people just liked our brand more because they didn't see us as trying to be always selling ourselves and always pushing our product. It was more about, we were supporting the industry. We were shining the spotlight on people doing good work. And that made us a loved brand within the space. That's what I think is really powerful about something like podcasting.
1: And part of your story there that we haven't really talked about that I'd definitely like to talk about before we wrap up is your marketing agency, which you founded and then sold. I recall correctly, you essentially had your own digital marketing agency for like 11 years, right? Yeah, that's right. I did. What drove you to start your own business? 11 years is a pretty long time. So what did you learn through that? process? And why'd you decide to sell? Essentially, those are kind of two or three questions there. So yeah. I just would love to talk about that, honestly.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, this goes back a ways because I started the company with my husband in 2006. And we both just were at interesting points in our careers where we wanted to make a change. And so we we started the company at a time in our lives when it made a lot of sense. And it was great. We had an 11-year run. We worked really well together. We're still married after being business partners, which is go. amazing. <laughs> but we sold because we were then at a different point in our lives. Like we had a couple of kids in college. We were working more closely with a lot of B2B technology companies as customers. And we were interested in getting more deeply involved in that space. And so today, both of us work in-house as heads of marketing at different companies. And it's funny, Pavilion, even though we're a community, we are also a technology company because we are launching our own digital platform in the coming months. And so mm. my husband's the head of marketing for an uh, open source software company. So we decided to sell for that reason. We wanted to go in-house and, and really like work on one company at a time.
1: Cool. That's amazing. So what, what's this platform that y'all are, are about to release?
2: Pavilion Digital. So okay. when you become a Pavilion member, or a user, even we will have, a, we have a logged in experience, you know, you think something like a LinkedIn, right, except it's a private paid community. So you will log in. And in that lot in that logged in space, you will have access to all the things that pavilion does to the other members. And that'll be your the the sort of the front door, the gateway into the pavilion experience in the future. Great.
1: I look forward to that. That sounds amazing. So before we wrap up, I always end our show with this question about essentially e-commerce and, and professional e-commerce professionals are generally operating 24-7, 365. Go, go, go. But I also find that it's extremely important that we'll also the most successful people in the industry have a healthy work-life balance to sustain their mental health and stability. So that's a long way of essentially saying, Kathleen, what do you do with your free time hobbies and interest-wise? to retain your stress-free lifestyle?
2: (laughs) I mean, I love my work. I really do. So Mm -hmm. I don't mind working a lot, I'll be honest. But, you know, you just build in time off. Like, I try to get exercise. Mm -hmm. Don't always succeed in getting it every day, but I try. (laughs) (laughs) Try to get out and walk my dogs every day. Try to sit down and have a meal with my family without doing work while I'm eating it and you know you do the best you can but I'd actually don't beat myself up a lot if I work late and you know I think if you love the work you do it's it's not a terrible thing it's it's different for everyone that's what's right for me and I certainly wouldn't purport to tell anybody else how to find the balance that they need
1: wonderful well we really appreciate having you on I learned a lot until next time Kathleen thank you
2: thanks so much Alex this was great
0: I'd like to thank my guest Kathleen Booth for joining me on the show and come back on Tuesday when I talk with Laura Hanlon, the founder and co-director of Pink Leopard, an e-commerce growth acceleration agency, about automating email flows and leveraging social media ads to grow your email lists. For more information about Kathleen, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. Check out her website, Kathleen-booth.com, or listen to her podcast, Inbound Success, wherever you get your podcast. To learn more about Pavilion, you can check out their website, joinpavilion.com. That's our show. Thanks for joining us. Us and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until next time.